section nineteen of bird stories from burroughs by john burroughs this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by Abai in august two thousand fourteen bird stories from burroughs by john burroughs the marsh hawk a marsh hawk's nest a young hawk and a visit to a quail on her nest most country boys i fancy know the marsh hawk it is he you see flying low over the fields beating about bushes and marshes and dipping over the fences with his attention directed to the ground beneath him he is a cat on wings he keeps so low that the birds and mice do not see him till he is fairly upon them the hen-hawk swoops down upon the meadow-mouse from his position high in air or from the top of a dead tree but the marsh-hawk stalks him and comes suddenly upon him from over the fence or from behind a low bush or a tuft of grass he is nearly as large as the hen-hawk but has a much longer tail when i was a boy i used to call him the long-tailed hawk the male is of a bluish slate color the female reddish-brown like the hen-hawk with a white rump unlike the other hawks they nest on the ground in low thick marshy places for several seasons a pair have nested in a bushy marsh a few miles back of me near the house of a farmer friend of mine who has a keen eye for the wildlife about him two years ago he found the nest but when i got over to see it the next week it had been robbed probably by some boys in the neighborhood the past season in april or may by watching the mother bird he found the nest again it was in a marshy place several acres in extent in the bottom of a valley and thickly grown with hardback prickly ash smilax and other low thorny bushes my friend took me to the brink of a low hill and pointed out to me in the marsh below us as nearly as he could just where the nest was located then we crossed the pasture entered upon the marsh and made our way cautiously toward it the wild thorny growths waist high had to be carefully dealt with as we neared the spot i used my eyes the best i could but i did not see the hawk till she sprang into the air not ten yards away from us she went screaming upward and was soon sailing in a circle far above us there on a coarse matting of twigs and weeds lay five snow-white eggs a little more than half as large as hen's eggs my companion said the male hawk would probably soon appear and join the female but he did not she kept drifting away to the east and was soon gone from our sight we presently withdrew and secreted ourselves behind the stone wall in hopes of seeing the mother hawk return she appeared in the distance but seemed to know she was being watched and kept away about ten days later we made another visit to the nest an adventurous young chicago lady also wanted to see a hawk's nest and so accompanied us this time three of the eggs were hatched and as the mother hawk sprang up either by accident or intentionally she threw two of the young hawks some feet from the nest she rose up and screamed angrily then turning towards us she came like an arrow straight at the young lady a bright plume in whose hat probably drew her fire 
the damsel gathered up her skirts about her and beat a hasty retreat hogs were not so pretty as she thought they were a large hog launched at one's face from high in the air is calculated to make one a little nervous it is such a fearful incline down which the bird comes and she is aiming exactly toward your eye when within about thirty feet of you she turns upward with a rushing sound and mounting higher falls toward you again she is only firing blank cartridges as it were but it usually has the desired effect and beats the enemy off after we had inspected the young hawks a neighbor of my friend offered to conduct us to a quail's nest anything in the shape of a nest is always welcome it is such a mystery such a center of interest and affection and if upon the ground is usually something so dainty and exquisite amid the natural wreckage and confusion a ground nest seems so exposed too that it always gives a little thrill of pleasurable surprise to see the group of frail eggs resting there behind so slight a barrier i will walk a long distance any day just to see a song sparrow's nest amid the stubble or under a tuft of grass it is a jewel in a row set of jewels with a frill of weeds or turf a quail's nest i had never seen and to be shown one within the hunting-ground of this murderous hawk would be a double pleasure such a quiet secluded grass-grown highway as we moved along was itself a rare treat sequestered was the word that the little valley suggested and peace the feeling the road evoked the farmer whose fields lay about us half grown with weeds and bushes evidently did not make stir or noise enough to disturb anything beside this rustic highway bounded by old mossy stone walks and within a stone's throw of the farmer's barn the quail had made her nest it was just under the edge of a prostrate thorn bush the nest is right here said the farmer pausing within ten feet of it and pointing to the spot with his stick in a moment or two we could make out the mottled brown plumage of the sitting bird then we approached her cautiously till we bent above her she never moved a feather then i put my cane down in the brush behind her we wanted to see the eggs yet did not want rudely to disturb the sitting hen she would not move then i put down my hand within a few inches of her still she kept her place should we have to lift her off bodily then the young lady put down her hand probably the prettiest and the whitest hand the quail had ever seen at least it started her and off she sprang uncovering such a crowded nest of eggs as i had never before beheld twenty-one of them a ring or disc of white like a china tea-saucer you could not help saying how pretty how cunning like baby hen's eggs as if the bird were playing at sitting as children play at housekeeping if i had known how crowded her nest was i should not have dared disturb her for fear she would break some of them but not an egg suffered harm by her sudden flight and no harm came to the nest afterward every egg hatched i was told and the little chicks hardly bigger than bumblebees were led away by the mother into the fields in about a week i paid another visit to the hawk's nest the eggs were all hatched and the mother bird was hovering near 
I shall never forget the curious expression of those young hawks sitting there on the ground. The expression was not one of youth, but of extreme age. Such an ancient, infirm look as they had, the sharp, dark, and shrunken look about the face and eyes, and their feeble, tottering motions. They sat upon their elbows and the hind part of their bodies, and their pale, withered legs and feet extended before them in the most helpless fashion. Their angular bodies were covered with a pale yellowish down, like that of a chicken, their heads had a plucked, seedy appearance, and their long, strong, naked wings hung down by their sides till they touched the ground, power and ferocity in the first rude draught, shorn of everything but its sinister ugliness. Another curious thing was the gradation of the young in size. They tapered down regularly from the first to the fifth, as if there had been, as probably there was, an interval of a day or two between the hatchings. The two older ones showed some signs of fear on our approach, and one of them threw himself upon his back and put up his impotent legs, and glared at us with open beak. The two smaller ones regarded us not at all. Neither of the parent birds appeared during our stay. When I visited the nest again, eight or ten days later, the birds were much grown, but of as marked a difference in size as before, and with the same look of extreme old age. Old age in men of the aquiline type, nose and chin coming together, and eyes large and sunken. They now glared upon us with a wild, savage look, and opened their beaks threateningly. The next week, when my friend visited the nest, the larger of the hawks fought him savagely. But one of the brood, probably the last to hatch, had made but little growth. It appeared to be on the point of starvation. The mother hawk, for the male seemed to have disappeared, had perhaps found her family too large for her, and was deliberately allowing one of the number to perish. Or did the larger and stronger young devour all the food before the weaker member could obtain any? probably this was the case arthur brought the feeble nestling away and the same day my little boy got it and brought it home wrapped in a woolen rag it was clearly a starved bantling it cried feebly but would not lift up its head we first poured some warm milk down its throat which soon revived it so that it would swallow small bits of flesh in a day or two we had it eating ravenously and its growth became noticeable its voice had the sharp whistling character of that of its parents, and was stilled only when the bird was asleep. We made a pen for it, about a yard square, in one end of the study, covering the floor with several thicknesses of newspapers, and here, upon a bit of brown woolen blanket for a nest, the hawk waxed strong day by day. An uglier-looking pet, tested by all the rules we usually apply to such things, would have been hard to find. There he would sit upon his elbows, his helpless feet out in front of him, his great featherless wings touching the floor, and shrilly cry for more food. For a time we gave him water daily from a stylograph pen filler, but the water he evidently did not need or relish. Fresh meat, and plenty of it, was his demand, and we soon discovered that he liked game, such as mice, squirrels, birds, much better than butcher's meat. Then began a lively campaign on the part of my little boy against all the vermin and small game in the neighborhood, 
to keep the hawk supplied he trapped and he hunted he enlisted his mates in his service he even robbed the cats to feed the hawk his usefulness as a boy of all work was seriously impaired where is jay gone after a squirrel for his hawk and often the day would be half gone before his hunt was successful the premises were very soon cleared of mice and the vicinity of chipmunks and squirrels farther and farther he was compelled to hunt the surrounding farms and woods to keep up with the demands of the hawk by the time the hawk was ready to fly he had consumed twenty-one chipmunks fourteen red squirrels sixteen mice and twelve english sparrows besides a great deal of butcher's meat his plumage very soon began to show itself crowding off tufts of the down the quills on his great wings sprouted and grew apace what a ragged uncanny appearance he presented but his look of extreme age gradually became modified what a lover of the sunlight he was we put him out upon the grass in the full blaze of the morning sun and he would spread his wings and bask in it with the most intense enjoyment in the nest the young must be exposed to the full power of the midday sun during our first heated terms in june and july the thermometer often going up to ninety-three or ninety-five degrees so that sunshine seemed to be in need of his nature he liked the rain equally well and when put out in a shower would sit down and take it as if every drop did him good his legs developed nearly as slowly as his wings he could not stand steadily upon them till about ten days before he was ready to fly the talons were limp and feeble when we came with food he would hobble along towards us like the worst kind of a cripple drooping and moving his wings and treading upon his legs from the foot back to the elbow the foot remaining closed and useless like a baby learning to stand he made many trials before he succeeded he would rise up on his trembling legs only to fall back again one day in the summer-house i saw him for the first time stand for a moment squarely upon his legs with the feet fully spread beneath them he looked about him as if the world suddenly wore a new aspect his plumage now grew quite rapidly one red squirrel a day chopped fine with an axe was his ration he began to hold his game with his foot while he tore it the study was full of his shed down his dark brown mottled plumage began to grow beautiful the wings drooped a little but gradually he got control of them and held them in place it was now the twentieth of july and the hawk was about five weeks old in a day or two he was walking or jumping about the grounds he chose a position under the edge of a norway spruce where he would sit for hours dozing or looking out upon the landscape when we brought him game he would advance to meet us with wings slightly lifted and uttering a shrill cry toss him a mouse or a sparrow and he would seize it with one foot and hop off to his cover where he would bend above it spread his plumage look this way and that uttering all the time the most exultant and satisfied chuckle about this time he began to practice striking with his talons as an indian boy might begin practicing with his bow and arrow he would strike at a dry leaf in the grass or at a fallen apple or at some imaginary object 
he was learning the use of his weapons. His wings also, he seemed to feel them sprouting from his shoulders. He would lift them straight up and hold them expanded, and they would seem to quiver with excitement. Every hour in the day he would do this. The pressure was beginning to center there. Then he would strike playfully at a leaf or a bit of wood and keep his wings lifted. The next step was to spring into the air and beat his wings. He seemed now to be thinking entirely of his wings. They itched to be put to use. A day or two later he would leap and fly several feet. A pile of brush ten or twelve feet below the bank was easily reached. Here he would perch in true hawk fashion, to the bewilderment and scandal of all the robins and catbirds in the vicinity. Here he would dart his eye in all directions, turning his head over and glancing up into the sky. He was now a lovely creature, fully fledged and as tame as a kitten. But he was not a bit like a kitten in one respect. He could not bear to have you stroke or even touch his plumage. He had a horror of your hand, as if it would hopelessly defile him. But he would perch upon it, and allow you to carry him about. If a dog or cat appeared, he was ready to give battle instantly. He rushed up to a little dog one day, and struck him with his foot savagely. He was afraid of strangers, and of any unusual object. The last week in July he began to fly quite freely, and it was necessary to clip one of his wings. As the clipping embraced only the ends of his primaries, he soon overcame the difficulty, and, by carrying his broad, long tail more on that side, flew with considerable ease. He made longer and longer excursions into the surrounding fields and vineyards, and did not always return. On such occasions we would go to find him and fetch him back. Late one rainy afternoon he flew away into the vineyard, and when, an hour later, I went after him, he could not be found, and we never saw him again. We hoped hunger would soon drive him back, but we have had no clue to him from that day to this. End of section 19